So winter, here's the thing. There's not as many people on the trails. And it's awesome. It's a fun way to move across the earth. So skiing, cross-country skiing, or moving your body that way, dog sledding. You can walk on water. So this past winter, I, I just skied across lakes. You get to fish in it. You can skate on it. There's so many good things. There's sledding. There's tubing. There's snowboarding. There's fat tire biking. And then you can, like, live in the snow. You can, like, build shelters out of snow. You can bring so many different foods with you on your expeditions because they never go bad. And it's awesome. And then you can build fires on the ice. Look, the list goes on forever. There are plenty of people who would do pretty much anything to escape the winter. And I get it. As a California girl, I'm all about sunny, warm temperatures. If the weather drops below 60 degrees, I'm getting out my puffy coat. But expeditioner Emily Ford doesn't shy away from the cold. In 2021, Emily spent January and February hiking the 1,200-mile Ice Age Trail in Wisconsin. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living, an REI Co-op Studios production. Emily Ford loves winter more than anyone I've ever talked to. She lives in northern Minnesota, where she embraces the ice, the frigid air, in the absolute quiet of the landscape coated in snow. Emily takes on massive winter adventures because she legitimately enjoys being out in the freezing wilderness. Playing outside, even in the cold, has been ingrained in her ever since her childhood outside the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Where did you grow up and how did you discover your love for adventure? So I born and raised in Minnesota, which is fun. The Midwest gets a lot of flack. <laughs> like we're kind of flat out here. You know, people know us for like our milk and our cheese and our like our croplands, you know. And your kindness. Um, and and our and our kindness, our niceness, yes, of course. And uh I grew up with a family that just did stuff outside. You know, I come from more of like a motorhead family. So like we use snow machines and we would go ice fishing with like a motorboat. But we just spend time outside, you know, and uh, I fell in love with it. My grandparents had this farm in northern Minnesota. And like when I was a kid, I would just like wander by myself out in the woods. Like, oh, I would take like their dog with me. And I like loved it. And my family just let me do that. I was like a little kid by myself. I think like I think about parents these days. I'm not a parent. I want to preface this with that. I'm not a parent at all. I give parenting advice and I'm not a parent all the time. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like. My Well, I had a single parent, my mom, and I have siblings, and my mom didn't have time to keep us all tied up and whatever. So I would just wander. My family would let me do that. And I don't know if parents let their kids do that as much these days all the time, but I did. My mom's like, you have a dog with you, good enough, you know, kind of thing. Were you the youngest? I, yes, very much. Yeah, the youngest child gets a little bit more freedom. I know, I know. It's awesome. When I got older, like, there was one day I couldn't drive yet. And I like looked at my mom one Friday night and I'm like, mom, I'm waking up tomorrow and I'm going to walk the railroad tracks as far as I can north. And she's like, OK, <laughs> you know, like I had a cell phone and whatever. So like I just like threw like saltines and like peanut butter and I just walked for miles and miles and miles one day. How many miles did you walk? Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> Impressive. How old were you? Like 14? Yeah, if not younger. Yeah, That's amazing. How did you get home? I called my mom. Great. 
so when you're a kid, were you hiking through snow? No, I, man, I think it must have been the summertime. Long distance, like in the winter, really didn't come until I was much more of an adult. But like my mom would just make us be in the snow when we were younger. No matter how cold it was, she's like, you can't be in the house right now. You have to be outside. After college, Emily got a job as a gardener at a famous estate in Duluth, Minnesota, where she had the winter months off. It's too cold and snowy to do much gardening between December and February, so in her free time, she got into backpacking. Emily did a couple of shorter multi-day trips before hiking the entire Lake Superior hiking trail, which is over 300 miles. Eventually, she came up with the goal to take on the Ice Age Trail. The Ice Age Trail winds 1,200 miles across the state of Wisconsin. Laid out start to finish, that's half the length of the Mississippi River. Emily had done some dog sledding or mushing before, and she decided to take a dog on the trek with her for companionship and protection. So you have the right gear. You set off a couple of years ago in your 2020, 2019, It's like really when COVID was ramping. Okay, so 2020, you set off and you go do the Ice Age Trail. You're 28 years old. You've got your backpack. You got some salami and you've borrowed a dog named Diggins, which is so great. Why did you decide to take a dog with you? Well, I wasn't planning on it originally, but then, so we, we're no longer together, my, my, my ex and I, but we love each other so much. And it's so funny the way that we care for each other because we had this conversation of just like, Flo was like, you have to bring a dog with you. And a, a mushing buddy of mine, she's like, yeah, you should totally bring a dog. She's like, here's some connections post here on this mushing group on Facebook. So I did. And I've always loved having a dog along. I mean, they're good company. As long as you have a way to fuel them and feed them and take care of them, they're really good company to have. So Diggins is an Alaskan Husky. She can handle really cold temperatures without a jacket. She's good down to minus 15, minus 20. Just needs a jacket and some booties maybe after that. And um, yeah, you kind of get to hang out with your best friend for days and days on end. Oh, that's so cool. So you took 69 days to hike this trail. That's like no joke. I mean, that's a serious, like that's almost your whole three months of your winter break to do it. I mean, I get why you did winter because that was the time you had off, but what do you love about winter and how, how are you able to do it? Because for me, like I don't love anything below freezing and I'm guessing Minnesota winters are often very below freezing. Yeah. Minnesota is such a funny thing. So we can, I thought about this this past winter. I'm like, man, I'm experiencing minus 40 degrees. And in the summer, sometimes it's plus 90, <laughs> plus 100. <laughs> like, oh, we have a lot of, we have a tough weather here. It's funny. But it's called the Ice Age Trail for a reason. I mean, I'm sure it's like freezing. So, well, it, it follows the last glacial extent. Got it. Is, the, is why it's called okay. the Ice Age Trail. Right. Uh, so winter, here's the thing. Winter has no mosquitoes. <laughs> and mosquitoes and I just like, don't like they love me so much. So that's one of the things. Um, another thing about winter is there's not as many people on the trails and it's awesome. It's a fun way to move across the earth. So skiing, if you like, if you like cross country skiing or moving your body that way, dog sledding is if you've never been dog sledding, I just want to encourage you to make your way somewhere that whoever has a team and you should just try it. 
there's literally nothing like mushing. It's like you're moving so fast with no engine and it's so quiet. You can you, you can walk on water. So this past winter, I, I just skied across lakes. You're just, you know, using frozen lakes as a way of moving around the earth. Um, you get to fish in it. You can skate on it. If you've never skated on crazy ice, it's awesome. It's like when the ice, if you've seen like any of those like Instagram videos, like people skating on like clear clear sheets of ice on the lakes like that's what we call crazy ice around here it's just like when it freezes really fast before um the snow falls there's so many good things there's sledding there's tubing there's snowboarding there's like all these crazy things there's fat tire biking and then you can like live in the snow you can like build shelters out of snow um when you're hiking you can bring so many different foods with you on your expeditions because they never go bad and it's awesome your like warm sleeping bags are even better in the winter time like it's uh, it's so good and then like the sky is super clear because it's so cold outside and then you can build fires on the ice look i know this this podcast can only be so long the list goes on forever it's so good (laughs) keep going i love this keep selling me on this this cold cold weather hiking and camping and there's like nothing like oh there's rime frost and then there's hoarfrost here. And like it's when there's humidity in the air and ice crystals attach themselves to the trees. It's like perfect. And it, oh, my goodness. I just I can't even like describe what that feeling is like. Try to describe it because I'm really curious. What is this? OK, so imagine you have deciduous tree, like one that usually has leaves, but now it's just branches right in the wintertime. And the branches are covered with like snowy ice. So instead of the tree just being like this dark brown entity, it's like dark brown highlighted with crystals on the edges. And it's amazing. And it can be like a couple centimeters of ice hanging off the trees. You can have a whole forest of it. Or like you'll get caught in like, if like a crystal mist almost where like it's it's misty, but it's actually frozen in midair. So it's like you're in this weird Narnia of just like snow all around you. And it's beautiful. It like, And then if you're looking at conifers, so like evergreens, and just like, you know, their triangle shape and like their needles are just covered with frost. And the thing about that, too, is that when the trees are like that, it's like being so I'm in a sound booth right now. It's like this where like it dampens all of the sound in the forest. So like the snow's underneath you, the snow is pretty much all around you. And your hearing like intensifies because it's so quiet. And when you sleep in that, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like being back in the womb. I don't know, man. But like I sleep so good in the wintertime, like out in the snow. And there's like nothing better than that in the entire world. For 69 days, Emily hiked 15 miles a day. And her routine was pretty much a broken record of eating, walking, eating some more, and sleeping. She survived on mostly snacks, protein bars, and freeze-dried meals. Emily had planned for seven resupplies along the way, but she was pleasantly surprised by some extra food and motivation from the communities she hiked through. Emily posted weekly about her progress on social media, and people started following her journey. It was unusual to see someone doing this trail in winter, and folks were excited to support her along the way. They would come out to meet and walk with her, which she particularly appreciated on the 500 miles of road walking. They also left warm food and motivating notes and coolers along her path. 
Did you have any trail angels on the way? So many. So many trail angels. And trail magic. I mean, left and right. I had so much trail magic that, like, I I literally, when I would do my resupplies, I would give back so much of my food because when I was planning for this trip, I didn't know I would see so many people. So I was planning for just being self-sustained. And that was just not the case. I mean, people, there would be like these retired hiking groups, like of just retired people. And they would leave me coolers of like hot soup, hot water, and like just like legit food. And I would just sit on the side of the road and just eat their soup and whatever. And it was awesome. That is so awesome. How did people find out about you? Were there newspaper articles about you or just from your posts? Yeah. So the Milwaukee Sentinel was the first one to really post about me while I was on my trip. And that was way in the beginning. And then after that, I had a bunch of interviews and different podcasters would find me and I would just podcast from my tent <laughs> and like do all that. And um, people started following on social media. I was like, all right, this like this, we're doing this legit. Let's go. Well, I think also you were doing it in a time when our nation was like so sad and yes. like watching a young woman hike this badass trail and like you're kind of like I'm talking to you and you're very nonchalant and very like humble but you're a total badass I can see why other people were inspired and wanted to find you along the way what were some of the serious lows and what were some of the serious highs on trail my lows were pretty minimal like really oddly minimal and I have never quite had a trip like that where um I it was fine and I wish I was lying but I'm not my lows came after I got home and then it, it kind of shit hit the fan <laughs> pretty hard. I really want to talk about that. So what were some of your highs real quick? Again, I think I said this before. The Midwest doesn't really have a good rap really for any adventuring. Um, I got to see some of the most beautiful parts of Wisconsin. I mean, unbelievably just like these crazy gnarly like dense cedar forests where it was just like dense and dark and it was crazy and like you know my dog and I were hiking and like an owl I could have probably reached up and grabbed it it was so close to us which is in hindsight terrifying because owls are nuts <laughs> but there were just like these sweet moments just like that over and over again and then some folks would like let us stay at their like they would read they would they would be like it's going to be this cold tonight would you want to stay in and then they would like feed me and feed my dog and just like, I don't know, love on us in that way. And I was always so amazed that people would let us do that. Um, yeah. So many good people on that trail. It was amazing. There were things on the trail that must've been hard and you had to like do something to get through to the next stop. What did you do? Did you have a mantra? Did you do a little dance? Like I read somewhere that you had like Britney, Britney Spears dance parties on the trail. Is, oh, that, is that true? Is that fake news? I see where this is going. <laughs> I did a Britney song stronger. That's right. But I changed the lyrics. I, my brain is such a funny place. It will take a song and they'll change the lyrics. So Britney's song stronger, since I was losing weight as I went along, I just would change the lyrics into I'm smaller than yesterday. <laughs> just cause like my belt would visibly get s just cinched down smaller and smaller every day. That Britney Spears and Florence and the Machine totally got me through just that. And I wouldn't listen to music during the day, but like during like our little lunch breaks, I'd play like a song and like, yeah, dance around is awesome. What got you through the hard parts of, of the Ice Age Trail? <laughs> there, there was this, <laughs> there was this kid 
um, a couple of schools had their students like make posters for me and like cheer me on along the way when I went to their town. Super cute. <laughs> Some kid somewhere. I have no idea. I will never meet this kid. I'm sure on this poster literally said, you have to hike this trail yourself because nobody's going to do it for you. Oh, <laughs> this kid's like in fourth grade. And I was like, wow. Wow. Okay. Well, well, <laughs> you know, and it's just true. It's just one of those things of like, when you're out there by yourself, you, you don't really have a choice, but to go forward. And one of the things that developed was in the boundary waters later on is just breaking things down into little projects. I love projects. I'm a doer. And so if I could break these really hard things that seem like too much down into little projects, so much easier. Just one little foot in front of the other. Like, I will get there. Anything is possible. I can do hard things. Like, anything is possible. When we come back, Emily talks about how her trek was made into an award-winning film, the difficulty of adjusting back to everyday life, and her most recent adventure. Trailblazer Emily Ford's trek across Wisconsin on the Ice Age Trail got a lot of attention from the public. She was the first documented woman and black person to hike the trail from start to finish. Plus, she chose to hike it in the dead of winter, making it even more challenging. Especially when you consider that the 2020-2021 Wisconsin winter was fiercely cold. Emily's journey was so powerful and garnered such a following that some local filmmakers asked if they could document her journey. So you had a film crew or you took film with you while you were doing this trip? Yeah, so at mile 500, a guy named Jesse from Credo Nonfiction, his wife told him about me, like maybe he saw me in the newspaper and he asked if he could make a documentary off the trip. And I was like, I don't know, man. And he's like, let's just try it for one day. I'm like, all right. And then one day turned into two days, turned into three days. And he would just meet me at different intervals. And then he had his whole crew there on the last day. What was it like having a documentary made about you and then eventually watching it? <laughs> the audience can't see her face, but um, her eyes are giving me the emotion that it was a little bit bizarre. It was so weird, man. <laughs> it was good. It took a little getting used to just having your life filmed and there not being a script and you're just supposed to be you and you're mic'd up. There's a dude on Instagram, Ryan, who has um, like trail talks. Like he just mics himself and he just, as he's on his hikes, he just says what comes to his mind like most hikers do. And when you're mic'd like that, you're like, do I say what I would normally say? Do I sing right now? What do I do? What's the response been like? You know, people probably like find you and see you walking around Minnesota or Wisconsin and they, they probably say hi and stop you. Yes, they do. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But I don't I don't mind it because it's it's just like being on this podcast, right? If me doing this little thing, because here's the deal, right? The name of this podcast is Wild Ideas Worth Living. It, it may sound like a wild idea, right, to to you and like the folks who are listening to this. But like this is just what I like doing. Right. So there's no show going on. There's no performance. Like what you're seeing right now is like literally just who I am all the time. 
And if me living myself authentically inspires others to do something that maybe they wouldn't do themselves, like whatever, I can have a 30 minute documentary about my life out there that like, and if you see me in public, like come talk to me. Cause that's, if that's what you want to do and you want tips on how to like, you know, do something that sounds crazy to you, but you've always wanted to do it. then like sick, like, let's do that. You know? The Finnish short film titled Breaking Trail has won countless awards at film festivals across North America. When Emily got home from the Ice Age Trail, she had to do frequent press interviews, go back to work, and adjust to being around people again. On top of all those adjustments, she really missed being with Diggins. While completing the Ice Age Trail in the dead of winter was a huge accomplishment, it was also a bittersweet moment for Emily. What was the finish line like? Was there a celebration? There was media. Yeah, it was a huge, it was a huge celebration. Well, it felt huge. But what I did is I just invited whomever wanted to come to St. Croix. And there's a hundred, maybe a couple hundred people there. And this is Wisconsin? It's right on the border of Minnesota and Wisconsin. Okay. It's the terminus of the trail. And that was really good. You know, I think I was still on such a high that that ending was good. I had to say goodbye to Diggins and that was... That almost wrecked me. <laughs> that was so hard. And um, I left and we started driving home. And just like for me, it's mostly that the world is so loud versus being on trail. And I really made the mistake of doing interviews way too early. I didn't take any time off. Like I got home and the next day I had like three either podcast interviews or newspaper interviews or news interviews. And then I just did that for the next two months, like several interviews a day for two months straight. And I hit a wall and I hit a hole I have never felt in my life. I did not like anything. I did not like anybody. It was awful. I hope to never return to that ever again in my life. <laughs> I learned so much about how to do reentry so much better based off that. So like, that's like the silver lining, but I don't want to experience that again. I think I was depressed for at least 10 months. 10 months. Wow. Okay. So I know that something that helped you get through that time was getting to keep Diggins as your own full-time dog. So how did you reconnect with the owner and end up adopting Diggins full-time as your own? I was going to borrow Diggins for just a little weekend pickup. And when, when we departed, Sherry said, she's like, anytime that you want to borrow Diggins, just shoot me a text. And I said, okay. And I was like, it was like a month later. I was like, can I borrow her, please? <laughs> and then on our way back from our little weekend getaway, I texted her and I was like, I know that you're like planning on running her in the Bear Grease next year. And I know you want to like run big races with her. But like, is there any way I could buy her off of you at all? She was new to their kennel and like had so much potential. She had a pack. She had a little litter of her own. And I was like, is there any way at all that I could buy her? And she's like, I need to talk to my daughter. This is actually her dog. And then she's like, you know what? Emily, she's like, Chloe and I think that you should just keep Diggins, just keep her for free. We already have her offspring. We already have her bloodline. And I think that you two have such a connection that you need to be together. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is unbelievable that I get to keep her. Though the adjustment back to everyday life was difficult, 
Adopting Diggins permanently made a huge impact on Emily's mental state. Another thing that helped Emily heal from the tough transition after the Ice Age Trail was planning her next trip into the wilderness. Emily decided to take Diggins on a solo ski trip across the Boundary Water Canoe Area. The Boundary Waters is a million-acre protected area of Minnesota that contains thousands of backwater lakes. It's the most visited wilderness area in the United States. Over 28 days, Emily and Diggins skied 180 miles, digging camp out of deep snow, and once again enjoying the quiet of winter. When did you get the wild idea to just go ski across the boundary waters next? June. <laughs> okay, so that summer, you got back in winter, you worked your job, and within six months, you're like, I'm going to go hike and ski the boundary waters. When did you do this? Uh, I got. I just got back in March. March of this year. You yeah. skied 28 days with absolutely no one around, carrying 100% of everything you needed and 100% of the things your dog needed. I had two resupplies on this trip. So one musher brought me out, one resupply, and then a couple of people from a YMCA camp uh, snowshoed out to me and brought me my stuff. But other than that, yeah, it's just me and my dog. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that wild idea, the why, and what that even means and looks like. Yeah, so I wanted, so the Boundary Waters is a million acres of wilderness. It touches Canada, Ontario, and Ontario holds the Quetico, which is a very similar space. Um, so a lot of the spaces are non-motorized um, areas, and you just have to move by dog or by ski or by horse, I guess you could if you wanted to. Um, so not accessible by motorized vehicles is what you mean? Most, most of it, yes. Okay. Yeah. And I really wanted something that was more secluded where I wouldn't see as many people on this trip. And I have this pretty much in my own backyard and it sounded perfect. And there was a guy who did it the year before me. And so I, I was able to use his map as a reference, his route as a reference. And then I hopped on with a bunch of other sponsors and started talking to these different folks. And it all came together. And then all of a sudden I was skiing in a blizzard on my first day. And you were skiing with a sled carrying, like carrying your gear? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a polk behind, we call it a polk, and you just pull it behind you. And what about Diggins? She helps me pull the sled along as well, which is really awesome. She loves to pull. That's amazing. Was there any high highs on that trip or low lows that you can share? High highs, there's nothing better, I'm convinced, than getting out of your tent in the morning on a lake with no wind and watching the sunrise. Like the whole sky snow situation, chef's kiss. It's, it's literally the best. And you're just skiing in it all day long. And it's awesome. My low, low, uh, I was really tired and I fell through the ice one night. What? I was about a quarter mile below a waterfall called Curtain Falls. Beautiful. And, and I had skied this river earlier looking for this silly portage for hours but my skis are over six feet long. So I weigh 180 pounds and 180 pounds over two six foot long skis. Your weight spread out pretty well. Well, I took my skis off and I was just booting it around. And so now my 180 pounds is over my, I don't know, my one foot long foot in my ski boot. And I tapped the ice with my water bottle and I just fell right through because all of that weight was just like on one spot 
which is such for a person that's lived on ice for so long. It was a rookie mistake, hands down. In my mind, though, like that could have been really deadly. Like if you didn't get out the right way, how did you get out? Yeah. So for anybody who ever falls through the ice, A, you don't get hypothermia right away. Hypothermia does take time to settle in. Number two is remember that you were once upon a time on top of the ice. It's probably behind you. So when you get in the water, turn around to where you know good ice is. And just like on a pool edge, you can put your elbows up or some people use ice picks and you just kick your legs as fast as you can to get yourself out of the water. And then the next hardest part which is a mental block for a lot of people, is you have to roll in the snow because snowflakes are 90% air and love to soak in moisture. And so it'll soak that water off of you instead of it soaking into your clothes. And then after that, of course, getting warm, taking off your clothes, getting dry clothes on, blah, 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 blah. Wow, that would have been so scary to me. I mostly just felt stupid. <laughs> I, made a, I made a rookie mistake. What was Diggins doing the whole time? Sleeping. She was sleeping the whole time. <laughs> That is so classic. Okay, what were some of the best experiences of the Boundary Waters? Oh, man. Besides the scenery? I don't know, man. Like, it's pretty freaking gorgeous out there. Living out there was, like, the best thing ever. Because there's, there's, no, there's literally no internet out there. So everything is just back to you. You know? And, like, every night... So with the type of tent I had, it's like a polar expedition tent. There's the tent part where you sleep in where it's all enclosed. But then there's a vestibule which has no bottom and the lakes have, can, can have anywhere from one to three feet of snow on them. So you can dig out this little living space. You can build little shelves, little like cubbies and all this stuff. And I would build my little shelter every night, start boiling water and I'd play ukulele pretty much every night. I'd like sing songs for Diggins every night and kind of what you're talking about reentry, right? This was like the most simplified living I had lived in a very long time. And it just like, it fed me, so much internally. One thing that Emily knows how to do is focus on what she needs and enjoys. She's taking on big expeditions in harsh conditions, but not to set records or prove herself. Emily's doing it for the sole joy of adventuring in the snow. While many people stay inside and cozy up during winter, Emily gets out into the elements. No one has ever made me want to go out into winter the way Emily has. She makes it sound like the most beautiful snow globe or perfect holiday card come to life. Emily Ford, thank you so much for coming on the show. Our team loved your interview and I honestly, I hope we get to have you back on when you check off some of the next items on your adventure list. For her next feat, Emily is planning on through-hiking the Appalachian Trail in the wintertime. Down the line, she might even become a triple crowner, which means she'll hike the entire Appalachian Trail, Continental Divide Trail, and Pacific Crest Trail. But of course, she wants to do them all, and you guessed it, the winter. To follow along in Emily's adventures, you can follow her on Instagram at emilyontrail. If you're old school, as Emily put it, you can also check out her website, emilyontrail.com. Wild Ideas Worth Living is a part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, 
written and edited by Annie Fassler and Sylvia Thomas of Puddle Creative. And Annie is excited to go snowshoeing with her husband and young son this winter in Mount Hood in Oregon. Her secret is to take some hot cocoa in a thermos and leave it in her car to make the ride home extra cozy. Our senior producer is Chelsea Davis, and our associate producer is Jenny Barber. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow this show, when you rate it, and when you take the time to write a review wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Mm-hmm.